welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Phil is going to come and talk. Lord, thank you that uh, you don't disappear as uh, we stop singing and uh, somebody stands up to talk. Um, you're, you're with us and you stay with us. And so I want to pray, Lord, that as, as Phil um, opens his mouth, that um, every word that would come out would be from you and that we'd hear from you um, everything that you have to give us today. Amen. Okay. Well, good morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, it's great to have you here with us. Uh, we've been going through a series where we've been following... The, or journeying with the children of Israel as they are kind of on their journey from Egypt into what will be the promised land. It's been promised to them for many years. And we kind of started our journey in Exodus and we went into Deuteronomy a couple of weeks ago. Peter did. Uh, he's preached two from Deuteronomy, but I'm going to take us back into Exodus. So I'm sorry about that. I, I just got caught by a couple of um, bits out of Exodus that I'm going to speak on this week and next week, because I, I just feel that there's things God wants to speak to us that we may have overlooked, and I don't want to overlook anything that God's got for us. And um, so I want to encourage you, so if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 33, I'm going to start reading from verse 12. It will come up on the screen as well. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favour in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favour in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favour in your sight. Consider too that the nation, this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do for you. For you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and you will proclaim before and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to him, I will be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. I just love this account of Moses getting before God. 
And it's almost like Leslie's kind of prophetic thing is there's Moses is wanting to get God's attention. Moses is going before God saying, oh, I need you, God. I need help. And it's been a, already a difficult journey to this point. And I'm sure is at the point of giving up. I'm sure sometimes you got to a point where you think, I've had it with this group of people. They've just been difficult, awkward, unbelieving, causing me a headache. I've had enough. Now, I don't know. Church leadership sometimes feels like that. Not the people, but just the business. You know, church leadership is sometimes just around business. We have an elders meeting every Friday morning, and it's all business. We do the business. It takes a lot to organise, run, and kind of make church happen. You come on a Sunday morning, and it's all done, and it looks great, hopefully. And, um, and we're doing what we say we do. Our vision of values have been worked out. You can see that as we're here. But actually, it takes a lot of work behind the scenes. And sometimes, you get to a point of saying, God, I need you. And we pray that prayer quite often. As elders, we pray, God, we need you. And sometimes, I'm sure for Moses, it was difficult. We've read it was difficult. I'm sure he'd had enough. And there's times we want to just give up. Even on our own Christian walk, our own Christian life, things can be so difficult that sometimes we just want to give up. And we want to just say, I've had enough of this. Time out. Just need some time out. We see, we find favour with the Lord that we can carry on. There's a favour to be had and found in God that we can press on and we can press in. And we're in a time, I believe, that God's preparing us and a people ready for what he's about to do across the Peak District. And to some degree, there may be some almost uh, sifting of wheat from the chaff. There's a sense of which God tests us and God uh, puts us and allows things to happen to shape us, to develop us, to help us to grow. I, I said this many years ago, and a friend of mine repeats it to me many, many times. And that is, it's not so much what happens in life, it's how we handle it that God's looking for. How, the thing, how do you handle what goes on in your life? Whatever it might be. Whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a sickness issue, whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's a work issue whether it's parenting issues, whatever the issue may be, if it's just general life. I mean, I know a couple, that, and their world seemed to fall apart because the washing machine broke down. And I think, buy a new one. You know, it's not the end of the world when your washing machine breaks down. There's a laundrette down the road, there's a shop called Curry's that's got some in, go and buy one. It's not the end of the world, but sometimes it can feel like, can't it? Sometimes we can be so overwhelmed by a circumstance, actually it feels like our world just falls apart. And we don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do, but there's a favour to be found in God. You see, are you good at handling stuff? See, because that's where we learn... That's where God teaches us. That's where God trains us and helps to grow. Is what comes our way is God looks for how we handle it. It's not all from him, but what he's looking for in it is our response and how we respond. And I want to say that actually Moses responded now in the right way in that he's coming before God and saying, God, 
if I found favour with you? He's kind of asking a question, knowing the answer already, that he has found favour, yet asking it as well. And I don't know, sometimes it's a good place to be. Come back, right back to the basic point is, God, have I, if I found favour, if I found favour, show me. And for me, I've been pondering on this word for a, quite a while now, actually, because when I was in India last year, I was speaking at a conference, I was asked to speak on uh, walking in God's favour. And I did six talks on walking in favour, and it's quite a challenge, actually, I've got with six talks on that subject, um, and make them all kind of somehow different, because you feel like you're just saying the same thing time and time again. And sometimes we need to hear it time and time again before we actually get it in our spirit. And so I make no apology for repeating myself on a number of times because actually I know I need to keep hearing it and I keep preaching it to myself as much as I preach it to anybody else. I preach these things to myself. So if I would say to you, I know how to attract God's favour, you'd want to know, wouldn't you? You'd want to know the answer. Tell me then. If I can attract God's favour, how can I do it? Go on, tell me. Sorry, somebody got the answer there. Absolutely. There's one key thing, and it's called trust or faith or, or belief, if you like. You put it another way, or faith. Actually, it's to look, put, fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, when I came in this, or when uh, Louise came in this morning, she looked on, looked at my face, and said, "You've got some sun." I was away last week, and we had one day of sun. It was Thursday, it was probably sunny here, it was sunny where I was, and I had one day, and I was, got a moment of about half an hour, I could lay, we found, we were in the sand dunes, and I found the shelter bit out of the cold wind, and I laid down about half an hour, waiting for the tide to go out so we could cross to an island, I laid there, and I got some sun. It doesn't take long if you put your face to the sun. Certainly for me, it doesn't anyway, when it comes to the sunshine, to get a bit of suntan on my face. But actually, when it's like that with God, it doesn't take long if you turn your face to Jesus. It doesn't take long for him to come. It doesn't take long for him to give you his attention. He's there immediately. So, what does favour, what's the definition of favour? It means kindness beyond what is due to you. To be preferred over generous preferential treatment. Having an edge or an advantage over others. Partiality, unmerited act of kindness. Help rendered to you without recourse to what you have done. Omitted to do or do or qualified to do. We call it in our day, in a religious kind of term, we call it Grace. The unmerited favour of God was on Moses. You see, grace is right through the scripture. It's not just a New Testament concept. It's not just New Testament, something that came, Jesus says about Jesus, he came full of grace and truth. Well, he did, but grace has always been there from the beginning of time. From the moment of creation, grace has been extended to mankind. And it was extended to Moses. That kindness beyond what is due to you. You see, God wants that for you. He wants to be kind to you beyond what is due to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God actually wants to truly be kind to you? To bless you? To bless your life? 
to bless what you're doing, to uh, provide for you in every way, whatever you need, no matter what it is. See, that's God. It's the very nature of God. And as so rightly and helpfully said, it comes out of relationship with God, not through uh, doing the right thing. We can't earn it by doing the right thing. Grace is already accredited to us through Jesus. Can't earn it. Can't do the right thing to get it. We have to receive it by faith. We have to trust in him. We have to put our trust and our hope in him. So, just moving on then. So if we want to attract this uh, favour, attraction defined would be to draw attention, to pull in, this one I like, to magnetise and captivate, lure or entice. When you want to attract someone's attention, you have to do something to make them notice you. Jesus already notices us. You see, right back in that day, right back then at the beginning, at that point in time, God had already seen the plight of the children of Israel in Egypt. He'd already seen the trouble they were in, the slavery that had been brought upon them, and he was about releasing them. His favour had already been attracted to them because he saw their need. God sees your need already. God sees what you want. And actually, he called them out as his own people. And he said, I will have a people of my very own. And we're part of that people. And God's calling us as a people of his very own for such a time as this. For now. Not just for something in the future. It's something that goes on into the future. But actually, God has called us for now. And the question is, are we in it for now? Or are we in it for something future? Are we part of the call and the vision that God's put, called us to as this church? Are we fully in that now? Or are we just waiting on to see what happens? To see what will come in the future? To see how God will work this all out? I'll just hang around a little bit and see how God's going to work this out and then I'll decide. Am I in or am I not? See, God's favour to Moses and his people was this. He chose them from the beginning. He'd already chosen them. Moses did not, was not born out of a coincidence. He wasn't born and it just happened to happen. God knew. He was born with purpose. We're all born with called to purpose. Ephesians 1 tells us. I'm not going to read it because I haven't got time. Ephesians 1 tells us that we were actually born, we were predestined, we were called and chosen before the, world, the foundation of the world. It's right there in scripture. We were called beforehand. Moses was a devout man, but he, he didn't start off as a devout man. God humbled him through circumstance. God humbled him through difficult times. God humbled him through spending 40 years leading sheep around the desert in the cold, the wet, the wind, the sunshine, whatever the weather was, he was leading sheep around the desert for 40 years. In that time, he was a proud man before that. God humbled him and prepared him for what he was going to do. In that, he feared the Lord. As he was humbled, 
He feared God. And we, he has that first encounter with the burning bush. I'm sure that must have been pretty terrifying. I mean, amazing to see, but terrifying at the same time. I've never seen a bush on fire that didn't burn. Have you? It's a pretty amazing miracle. I've not seen that. But actually, it must have put the fear of God in when a voice starts speaking out the bush. I'd have run a mile. Not about you. And I'd probably just run away. But he didn't. He heard the voice of the Lord. And actually, at that point, there came a, a fear of God. Not an unholy fear. Not an unhealthy fear. A right fear of God. I'm going to listen to what he's saying. And I'm going to do what he says. And sometimes it's in our circumstances. And sometimes only in our difficult circumstances. And in surprising things that we hear the voice of God. Now, I don't dream very much, or anything that I can remember anyway. If I do, it's a load of rubbish and I never remember it. But the dreams I remember are the ones I know God's speaking to me. And I think sometimes it's the only way God gets through to me is in a dream. Because sometimes I'm not listening. And he gets to me and I'll hear him in dreams. And it may be different for you. God may speak to you in different ways. It, I don't know. It could be a burning bush for you one day. I think God will probably do something different to surprise you and shock you. But I think God likes a bit of shock tactic as well. And, uh, but he, he speaks to me in dreams. And that's how I know I hear God. But actually, it's what it does. It, it creates a fear because I know I need to listen. I know I need to hear God. I need to do what he's saying. Following on from his encounter with God, he was a sacrificial giver. He gave the rest of his life to doing the purpose of God. Completely given everything over, took his family with him, everything was given to fulfilling the call and purpose of God upon his life. Sacrificed everything for it. And we know he was a prayerful man. He sought God, spent time with God. In fact, it says about Moses that actually God says that he's the only one I speak with face to face. And yet in this account, it says you can't see my face. But he speaks with him face to face, but he doesn't see the face of God. But he has an encounter where he speaks face to face. And I don't know, I, I feel like there's almost, time, almost times in praying when I might just be face to face with God. Almost there. Not quite made it yet. I'd love to. I kind of like that encounter, talking face to face with God, but there's been moments, not many of them, but there's been moments. I've only heard the audible voice of God once in my life. I wouldn't mind hearing it again. But there's moments, just moments when we can have encounter. Like that with God. Because God's favour brings lots of blessing. God's favour on our lives is a mark of the favour of God. And I have to say, I think it's still on the Jewish people today. There's a favour of God that God spoke of way back in history that still stands today. And we are part of that inheritance. Because we've come in, one new man in Christ. We are part of that inheritance. That All the promises that were made to the people of God in the Old Testament are for us today. And yet to be fulfilled, some of them. But they're all for us. So what blessings do we get? We get supernatural increase. 
And that song we sang this morning, I was trying to think, wreck my brains this morning while I was preparing this, what song would be appropriate at the end of this talk? And then Joseph picks it, the last song of the worship time. I just thought, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. What a great song. Because that is about trusting God, stepping out in the favour of God, and saying, whatever's going to happen, God, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to follow you. And I found that song a challenge as well as a blessing to sing. It's a challenge every time. I sing it, but I want to do it. So there's increase from God, supernatural increase. God wants us to be a people of supernatural increase. Are you increasing supernaturally? Are you encountering God more than you have done before? Are you doing things of the kingdom that you've never done before? Are you seeking to step out in the miraculous things that uh, God's promised for his end time church? Are you seeking that? Are you pursuing that? Is that what you want? Is that your heart's desire? You see, this the promise of supernatural increase. I want that. I want this, that for this church. That we will be a church that pursues supernatural increase. Deathly silence. <laughs> Not even an amen. Come on. Brings restoration to the things stolen by the enemy. You see, I think, I think the enemy's out to steal anything. He can. See, he's out to rob us of anything that God's planned and purpose for us. That's his goal. If he can get in in any way, no matter how small a way that might be, he'll hinder the purposes of God where he can. He'll get in. He'll sideline people. He'll take people out of things through distraction or other things. He'll take them away. People who were pursuing God, I've seen, uh, really going for God, and suddenly something comes along and they're distracted and suddenly they're nowhere with God. Because the enemy seeks to kill and destroy the purpose of God. And we need to be watchful. We need to be watchful. God wants to restore whatever's been stolen. God wants to restore it for you. God wants to restore it for the church. And uh, I want to see it restored. I want to see the church fully restored to what God's plan and purpose is. I had this phrase many years ago. and It became a prayer. I want to be restored back to God's original plan for my life, for the church, for the kingdom of God to come. I want to be restored to God's original plan. And that's what Jesus came to do. That was the whole work of the cross. It was about restoring a people back to God's original plan that the enemy had came and come and stolen. And God wants to do that. Brings honour in the midst of adversary, adversities. So even in the midst of trouble, the favour of God actually honours us. In the midst of difficulty, we can still stand with our heads high because of the favour of God upon us. We don't have to be under something. We don't have to live under things as though we're trodden down and cast down. We don't have to be in that place. We don't have to live there. We can be above it. And God honours it because of the favour of God upon the people. We can rise above that. Favour of God gives great and unusual victories even against impossible odds. Have you ever had some of them? 
impossible circumstances you've got, got the answer to, you can't possibly sort out, you can do nothing about, God breaks in, steps in, sorted. Get a victory. Now it talks about, in the scripture about, uh, he lays a table in the presence of our enemies. Impossible victories. That's what's on the table. Possible victories. God's done this. Amen. Oh, one's awake. <clears throat> Gives recognition even when you're the most unlikely person. See, God who promotes, not man. I remember one preacher saying, you know, the reason I'm here is because God put me here, it's God who keeps me here, and it's only God that can remove me. And that's true to some degree. We can disqualify ourselves. But actually, it's God who puts his hand upon a life and says, this one's mine, I'm going to make it count. And he's done that for every one of you in this room. God has put his hand upon your life, because you're here, because God's got his hand upon your life. Whether you're yet in personal relationship with Jesus or not, you're here because God's got his hand upon your life in some measure or some way that you've got here. Because that's the hand of God. And that's the purpose of God. And that's the kindness of God. We get our prayers answered. You know, God, the favour of God is he answers prayers. He loves to answer prayer, actually. He may not always do it the way we want him to do it. In fact, more often than not, it isn't the way we thought or should think it happens. You know, we can pray so specifically... God, answer this prayer, and I want you to do it this way, and like this, and in this time frame. Is that okay, God? Thank you. We can pray like that. We can be like that. And it's one thing to pray precisely. It's another thing to allow God to do it his way. And answer it, because he sees a bigger picture. He knows the better outcome by answering it his way than our way. You see, our way doesn't always bring the better outcome. God's way does. So actually, when we pray, we have to be careful that we don't... It's almost like somebody gives you a job to do and then tells you how to do it. You know, God's the master of doing the job. He already knows how to do it. We don't need to tell him. He knows how to answer prayer better than anybody else. So we don't need to tell him how to do it. We just have to ask. And do it. But we get favour when we ask aright. We get favour, we find favour when we ask God aright and we allow him to do it his way and work it out because he's working for our good. Now, unless you know he's working for your good, you'll not pray like that, will you? Unless you can be absolutely confident and certain that God is working for my good and his prayer, every prayer I pray will be answered by God for my good, his way. Unless we truly believe that and know that, we'll tell God how we want to answer it. So we can fully trust that God knows best and his way is best. We'll be trusting to answer it his way. And we can allow him to do that. He can change any circumstance or situation to your advantage. That's the favour of God. Change circumstance and situation to your advantage. And I just want to say, I, I just sense there's some people here, you've been going through some difficult times in businesses. 
Uh, I know a number of you run businesses in this church and there's been some difficult times and I just feel God saying, bring those circumstances to me. I'm going to change some situations and circumstances in your businesses that are going to be to your advantage. I just feel God would say that, to your advantage. I'm going to change them. Love this one. Because it's so biblical, it's true. We win battles we haven't even begun to fought with God. Many account in Scripture where battles are won because the Lord fought on their behalf. The Lord went out in advance and he won the battle even before they went in. Even before they went to battle, even before they strategized to go to battle, God's already won the day. They have to go through the motions of the battle, but actually it's already won. It's a done deal. God wins with any hand, Bill Johnson says. He wins with any hand. He's a winner. And he's fighting battles and winning battles that you, for you that you don't even have to fight. You don't have to fight it. That's evidence of the favour of God upon the people of God. They're evidence upon the favour of God upon the church. What we're pressing into, where we're going as a company of people together with the Lime Tree Building, what God's talking to us about for across the P District, all that is going to come about, not because of us, not because we're good at giving, not because we've got a good builder on board, not because we've strategised well, which we haven't, um, it's actually because the favour of God is chosen to be on Church in the Peak. Do you believe it? God's favour is on us as Church in the Peak. I can't explain it. We don't deserve it, no. We're not better than anybody else. God's favour. It's all down to that. God's favour is upon us in Church in the Peak. But with anything... With anything, even with God, while we get all that, Jesus said, you've got to count the cost as well. And there's a price to pay for favour. There's a price to pay to walk in the favour of God. And that is, one is that we're to live righteously. We're to live right before God. We're to watch our lives. We're to keep watch over our own souls, our own hearts. We're to watch how we live, how we talk, what we do. And then be careful that we keep ourselves and we line up with the truth and we choose the truth and live by it. This favour only comes by new birth in Jesus Christ, by being saved and born again by the Spirit of God and sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's the only way to live in that kind of favour with God. To that extent is actually that we have to live and give our life fully and totally to Jesus and experience the new birth, and become true. And actually, only when we truly know who we are. There's a new song out by Hill Songs. I've been listening to it for weeks now. It's just blessed me so much. And the title is, I Am Who You Say I Am. It's just an outstanding song, um, just living in me at the moment, loving it. Uh, but it's so true, because it's the truth. It's just the truth. And I've got to know it. And we each of us need to know that we're children of God, knowing that we have rights as sons and daughters before a living God. Children of God. We have rights before him that we are children of God. 
And we need to know that. Not just, not just it to be head knowledge, not just something we know, but actually when we know it and we believe with our heart, it's something we live out. It becomes living and active in our life. That's how we truly know that we believe with the heart, is it's part of us, it's how we live. It defines how we live because we believed it. And it's not just knowledge in our head. We believe with our heart. And even when all our circumstances say the opposite to the promise, to the word of God, we live by faith in it. See, there's times, certainly in Moses' life, when all that God promised just seemed impossible. And even argued with God. We have this time when I can't do this. I can't bring people out of Israel. I can't, out of Egypt. I can't lead them into promised land. I'm not able to speak. I'm not able to do that. Circumstances, everything against me. He can't go back to Egypt. It killed uh, one of the gods in Egypt. He couldn't go back in his mind. Everything else said, I can't, 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 can't. But actually, faith in the midst of our circumstances says we can't, says we can't. And we've got to live according to faith, not fear. Live according to the promise, not the lie. Live according to the way God's spoken and what he said to us. And actually, I just want to say, I I feel there's a call on the church here to follow and pursue the vision and the call of God upon us. And I, I want to say that I think there's more time now than any that we've got to get on, on this to pursue the things God's called us to, to get on with it. Things are going to change and it may be that we change some of the things that we've done and we are doing even now. You don't keep doing the same things over and over again just because they work and they look good and they give us a good image out there in the world. We have to look at it and say, is that in line with where God's leading and God's saying? Is that line up with what, where the vision is right now and where God's leading us? Because doing the same thing time and time again, it'll, just, it'll become a dead work. We have to be careful. We don't want to live with dead works. We want to live in the here and now. What is God saying? And what is God doing right now? Because I want to do that. And that's what I love about that passage where it says that... Uh, uh, Moses prays, teach me or show me your ways. And that has been my prayer. As I've been studying this for a few weeks now, that has been one of my prayers. God, just show me your ways. I want to know your ways. I don't want to do my way. I don't want to go my way. I don't want to do the thing, or oh, the same old, same old, because I know that works, because we've done that before. We know it worked last time, so we'll do that again, because that might work this time. We can't keep saying those things. God, teach me your ways. Show us the way you're doing it. Show us how you're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to take the peaks yet. I've got some inklings. I've got some vision. But actually, I don't quite know yet how it's going to work. So I'm saying, God, show me your ways. How are you going to do this? How are we together going to take the peaks? Show us, Lord. And I want to encourage you to pray that prayer for yourself and for the church. God, show us your ways. Show us your way of doing this. How, do, how should we be doing social action in the future? God, show us your way. How should we be meeting the needs of the communities of the Peak District? God, show us your way. God, how are we going to reach however many thousand, 45,000 people, whatever it is, across the Peak District? How are we going to reach them with the gospel? Show us your way of doing it. 
We can have our way, but God shows your way. How are we going to do it? How are we going to gather multiple gatherings of people right across the Peak District to worship, to hear the word of God? How are we going to do it? God shows your way. Show us your way. That's my prayer. God, show me your way. Show us your way in this. So what was the evidence for Moses of God's favour? Well, he released the children of Israel from slavery. He brought them right out. He went in. He released them with the wealth of the nation. Took all the wealth of Egypt with them. Had a promise of a land rich in every way for them to settle in. And that was going to be their place of rest. You see, the promise is the rest. And it's work. You see, rest in our mind is we sit down and do nothing. We put our feet up front of the TV or whatever it might be, we rest. We relax, we doze off, have a nice time. That's our understanding of rest. Understanding of God's rest is actually the fulfilment of promise. Is rest. Coming into all that God intended brings us into rest in God. Had provision for all the journey. And during the journey, God provided in every way. And above all that, and probably the best thing ever, above all that was, he said to Moses, my presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. And that is the call and my prayer and my desire is we're not doing this unless God's going with us. We're not taking the peaks unless it's him. We're not even going into Lime Tree unless it's him. We're not doing all these things unless his presence is with us. And actually that's what this talks about really is the favour is the presence of God. That's the full evidence of having favour is the presence of God is with us. No matter what we're doing, no matter how God tells us to do it, actually overriding all that is, we have his presence on the way. As I said a couple of weeks ago, and God spoke to us very clearly about the whole thing of journeying into promises. And actually the journey is as important as the promise. And as we journey together, the important part of the journey is that actually we have his presence on the journey. I love that in in the New Testament when after he'd risen and he hadn't presented himself to anybody, yet he's walking along these two guys and they're walking down the Emmaus Road and he's talking with them and they don't even recognise him. It's kind of almost like there's a veil over their eyes and they can't see it's Jesus. But something inside them says, our hearts warmed within us. When talking with this man, something about it because he was present with them and they didn't even know it. And he's present with you even when you don't know it. He's still present. Because he's promised his presence will go with us. And he's going to make all his goodness pass before us. And I believe that. I believe that we are going to live in days of God's goodness like we've never lived before. I believe it. I believe we are going to see God's goodness made manifest in signs, wonders, miracles, miraculous provisions, all manner of things taking place, are all going to happen, sickness go, pain be gone, addictions broken, no lack. I believe all that because God's goodness is upon his church and upon his people. We just need to know how to access it. 
And we don't, because we don't always believe he is good. And we've got to get to that place. And I've been on a long journey into getting to know, understand and believe God is good. Take me a long time. Wasn't an instant fix. Wasn't some magnificent revelation. It was a journey for me, even in that, to find that God is good. And he's always good no matter what. I'm going to leave it there because I want to pick up next week. Can we stand together? Can we just can we come back to that song? Let's just can we just lift our hands before God? Let's want to pray for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're living in days when you are on the move. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're living in days when you want us to know your favor and your goodness. Thank you, God. We're living in days, Lord, when promises that we've had for years, you want to now fulfill. You want to bring to fruition. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your people you have called by your name for such a time as this. Lord, I want to thank you that you're setting apart a people for your very own. Lord, I want to thank you for everyone that you've saved and added into this uh, community of believers of Church in the Peak. I thank you for everyone that are of this house called Church in the Peak. Lord.